Thank you, Holy Father, for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. Glory, praise, honor, and adoration be unto thy holy name now and forevermore. Our Father in heaven, we commit ourselves to your care. We want our lives to be the simple outworking of your will. Therefore, we pray, consecrate us to your service. Grant us the gift of your Holy Spirit and cause us to have a new heart that will walk in your statutes and keep your judgment. As we go through the words for our devotion today, may, be, may they help us to achieve just that, O Lord. We pray, Father, that the words will deeply impress in our hearts through thy Spirit and that you will give us words to speak that will be a blessing to do the same thing in the hearts and lives of those who will be listening. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, May 12, A Complete Rule of Life And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. Revelation chapter 11 verse 19 Our Redeemer testifies, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Revelation chapter 3 verse 8 Through this open door into the temple of God, we see the royal law deposited in the Ark of the Testament. Through this open door, light shines from that holy, just, and good law presenting to man the true standard of righteousness, that he may make no mistake in the formation of a character that will meet the requirements of God. Sin is condemned by that law. We must put it away. Pride and selfishness can find no place in the character without crowding out him who was meek and lowly of heart. The law of God is the standard by which character is to be tested. If we erect a standard to suit ourselves and attempt to follow a criterion of our own devising, we shall utterly fail to secure heaven at last. The mind must yield obedience to the royal law of liberty. The law which the Spirit of God impresses upon the heart and makes plain to the understanding. The expulsion of sin must be the act of the soul itself in calling into exercise its noblest powers. The only freedom a finite will can enjoy consists in coming into harmony with the will of God complying with the conditions that make man a partaker of the divine nature. The law of God given from Sinai is a copy of the mind and will of the infinite God. It is sacredly revered by the holy angels. Obedience to its requirements will perfect Christian character and restore man through Christ to his condition before the fall, 
The sins forbidden in the law could never find place in heaven. It was the love of God to man that prompted him to express his will in the ten precepts of the Decalogue. God has given man a complete rule of life in his law. Obeyed, he shall live by it through the merits of Christ. Transgressed, it has power to condemn. The law sends men to Christ and Christ points them back to the law. Amen. The title of our devotion is A Complete Rule of Life. And the summary of it is for us to understand that the commandments of God, the law of God, is a complete rule of life. There are many who claim that this law has been done away with and in yesterday's devotion we already looked at it how that Jesus said in the book of Matthew 5:17 think not that I am come to abolish the law or to bring an end to the law and Jesus said plainly I have not come to bring an end abolish the law but to fulfill and then said till heaven and earth pass away not one jot or tittle in the law shall pass away and here our key text for today's devotion is Revelation 11 verse 19 which says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven. Now, take note. The temple of God, not on earth, but the temple in heaven was opened. And the book of Revelation is a book that tells us about the end times. The original copy of God's law is in heaven. And here in Revelation 11 verse 19 it says the temple in heaven was opened. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. What is the ark of the testament? It is the ark that contains the testament, which is the testament being the Ten Commandments, the law of God. And there inside that ark is found the law. Not done away with, not condemned, not destroyed, but still existing in heaven. To claim that this law has been abolished is to say that now in heaven it is permitted to transgress the law. What is transgression of the law? It is called sin. 1 John 3 verse 4 He that committed sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. To claim that the law has been abolished will be to mean that it is now permitted in heaven to steal, to kill, to commit adultery, to do all manner of evil. That's what it means. That's what it means that it is now permitted that the sins that is forbidden in the law now has a place in heaven. But in heaven, that law is still there. And it is the foundation of God's government. It is the law, the rule by which he holds his sway on every being in the universe that is every living every human being to make us understand that this is what it is to have his character it is to follow the law many are there who claim that the law has been done away with but as we are seeing now it hasn't been done away with christ came for that purpose to ensure that the claims of the law are met the law points us to our condemnation. It does condemn us. 
it tells us our need it shows us what we ought to be and by us seeing that we are not up to standard it then condemns us by showing us what we ought to be and when you compare your life with the law and you see its depth and understand how you fall short of its requirements we are condemned and jesus said in the book of john chapter 3 reading from verse 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and then he goes on in verse 17 to say for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already take notes those who do not believe in jesus is condemned already but he that uh, believes is not condemned but how come we are condemned already Jesus did not condemn us. It is we who condemned ourselves by going against the law. And what does Jesus come to do? To condemn the law so that we will not be condemned? That's what many people teach. That since we are condemned, then God came, Jesus came to condemn the law. Then please, a question. If he was going to save us by condemning the law, then what was the point in the death? Why all those drama? Why was, what was the point in that drama of dying? if he could have just condemned the law and then we'll come out of condemnation. My brothers and sisters, once again, I want to reiterate to you this point. The death of Jesus is what ratifies the law. The death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary is what establishes the law forever and ever. If the law could be condemned, then Jesus would not need to die. But because of the eternal nature of the law, because of its eternality, because of its sacredness and holiness, Jesus died on the cross because the law could not be condemned. Because it is the eternal rule of life. Till heaven and earth pass, the law, not one jot or tittle will pass. It is this law that was ordained to life, that anyone who must have life must conform to it. John 17 verse 3, Jesus himself said, and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent life what is life the rule of life is to know Jesus and to know God this is what it means to have life I take it again this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God 1 John chapter 2 verse 3 and hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. The law indeed is the rule of life. To know God is to have life, and to know God, the evidence that you know God is to keep his commandments. He that says, I know God, claims to have life but if he doesn't keep the commandment he is a liar he does not know god and he does not have life because the law is ordained to life to know god is to keep his commandments the law is the rule of life indeed and it was the work of christ it is the work of christ to bring our lives to be in harmony with that law 
That is what Christ does in us. After he dies for us, he forgives us our sins and cleanses us of all unrighteousness and then gives us grace, grace, power. Titus 2 verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, not to condemn the law, but teaching us that denying all ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And the Bible tells us that the law of God are righteousness. Psalms chapter 119 verse 172 my tongue shall speak of thy word for all thy commandments are righteousness so when the grace appears titus 2 verse 11 it teaches us righteousness and what is righteousness it teaches us the law of god and gives us power grace to be in harmony with the law that is what christ came to do he did not come to abolish the law he said with his own mouth and those who are misinterpreting the word of god to claim that the law has been done away with then why all the rioting against bribery and corruption why then do we complain of our government leaders if it is not the law of god in your heart that tells you that these men should be should be accountable if it is not the law of god that tells you that raping is a sin why do you make noise over it why all the cry for justice against people who are taking government funds why all the claim that people should be removed from office because they told a lie if it is not the consciousness of god's law in your heart why then are you inconsistently saying that the law has been done away with and after saying that you require men to still keep the same law be consistent know that the law has not been done away with then that is what can give you the right to make claims that men in office should keep the law that men out of office should abide by the law why is why are you complaining about adultery why do you complain about raping why do you complain about killing if it is not that the law of love tells us that these things are wrong and that it is not going to preserve anyone's life for people to engage in these things it is not love for that is what the law is love romans chapter 8 13 rather reading from verse 8 says oh no man anything but to love and then tells us that love is the fulfillment of the law but before going that far to explain that love is the fulfillment of the law it tells us for if there is any law thou shalt not still kill whatever it is that it is briefly comprehended in one saying thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself love walketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law romans 13 from verse 8 to 11 that is the law love god delineated it as 10 commandments for us to understand it better but the principle of the law is love and that is what we are all to conform to the law of love our high calling page 138 paragraph 6 it was the love of god to man that prompted him to express his will in the 10 precepts of the decalogue god has given man a complete rule of of life in his law obeyed he shall live by it through the merits of christ transgressed it has power to condemn 
the law sends men to Christ. And Christ points them back to the law by giving them power, of course, to live and fulfill the requirements of the law. To live in harmony with it and fulfill its requirements. This is the standard by which we are going to be judged. Our, our character will be tested by the law of God. James chapter 2, reading from verse 10, says, I'll read from verse 8 rather, it says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. It is the position of God to use the law as a test of our character, to see whether we are condemned or saved. It is the law that tells us that. So perhaps you find in yourself the law, a mind that is in harmony with the law, but yet in your flesh you see that you keep falling into sin, condemned by the law of God. We all need power, and that is the reason Christ came, to give us power to fulfill the requirements of the law. The law will never be done away with. It is because of that law, the transgression of that law, that Christ came. He came to give us power to live in harmony with that law because the law is the simple outworking of God's mind. It's it's an expression of his mind and his will. And that's why in the book of Psalm 40 verse 8, there it is written, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Reading here in our high calling, page 138, paragraph 4, it says, The expulsion of sin must be the act of the soul itself in calling into exercise its noblest powers. The only freedom a finite will can enjoy consists in coming into harmony with the will of God, complying with the conditions that, ma- that make man a partaker of the divine nature. Also, in Page 138, paragraph 5. The law of God given from Sinai is a copy of the mind and will of the infinite God. It is sacredly revered by the holy angels. Obedience to his requirements will perfect Christian character and restore man through Christ to his condition before the fall. The sins forbidden in the law could never find place in heaven. Remember in our devotion yesterday, it was expressed that God created man to obey a different law from the law that all other living things obey. The flowers and the plants, all living creation of the animals, animal kingdom, they do not obey the law of God and that is not the law by which they function. They don't function by thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery and the rest. You can see just from the dogs. They are not bound by such laws because they are not made in the image of God. They are lower beings. What makes us in the image of God is that law. Not being in harmony with the law 
takes us out of being in the image and likeness of God. And that was what the devil did to man, to humanity, by making us to transgress God's law. We lost the image of God, but it is the work of Christ to bring us back into harmony with the law of God, thereby restoring the image of God in man. This law that people are despising is the way to life. It is the mind and will of the infinite God, sacredly revered by angels. Angels are angels, sons of God, because of this law, obedience to it. And man cannot be called the son of God if he is not living in harmony with the law of God. And that's why John said in 1 John 3, reading from verse 1 down to 4, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Wherefore the world knows us not, because it knoweth him not. And then in verse 3, it says, Everyone who has this hope of being called the son of God in him purifies himself even as he is pure. But what is the standard of purification? Verse 4, Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Verse 5, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Verse 6, He that abideth in him sinneth not. He that sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. Verse 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Remember what righteousness is? Psalm chapter 119, verse 172. All thy laws are righteousness. Do you see what John is talking about here when he talks about being a son of God? Sons of God live in harmony with the law of God. In them is no sin. Verse 8 of First John says that anyone who lives in Christ will not sin. You know he was manifested to take away our sins. He says, the devil is the one that sins from beginning. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God, sinneth not. That's verse 9. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. He's born of God. Therefore, he sinneth not. Because the seed of God remains in him and he cannot sin. This is what God wants to do. This is what Christ wants to do in us. If he lives in us, which is he is the seed of God. If Christ abides in us and we abide in him, then, like it says in verse 9, we cannot go against God's law because we cannot sin and sin is going against God's law. Let Christ come into your life and give you power to live in harmony with the law of God. And what does it mean for Christ to come into your life? Study the word and let the words of God dwell in you. That is what it means for Christ to abide in you. Remember John 15 reading from verse 3. Now you are clean through the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And then I think it's verse 7 there where he says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So Christ is saying that we abiding in him simply, of course, means communion with him in continuous prayer. But he abiding in us means his words abide in us. The word of God, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When you have the word of God dwelling in you, it is Christ who is dwelling in you. It is the office of the Holy Spirit to impress these words in our hearts and 
cause us to live by the word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. For us to have the Son of God dwelling in us, as he says in 1 John 3, verse 9, abiding in him and the seed of God dwelling in us, that seed is the word of God. If it dwells richly in us and is controlling our every act and thought and word, then you will see that you will not sin. If we are sinning, it is because the word, Jesus, is not abiding in us. We are not studying our Bibles as we should, and therefore the Holy Spirit doesn't have the word, the seed, to use to cause us to live in harmony with the law of God. Abide in Christ today. Allow the law to be restored into your life. And what is the new covenant, by the way? What is it aim of God? The, the, the New Testament we are talking about. What did Jesus, what did God say that he will abolish the law? That's my new covenant. What does he say? Jeremiah 31, 31. Or it's going down to 33. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in those days which they break. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their mind. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall any man say to his neighbor, Know the Lord. For from the least of them to the greatest of them, they shall know me. Remember what it means to know God? This to know God. It says, No more shall any man say to his neighbor, Know the Lord. And what does it mean? Know the Lord means to keep his commandments. We already saw that in 1 John chapter 2, reading from verse 3. And God is saying, No longer is anybody going to say, Know the Lord, because God will write his law in our hearts in so much that everyone will know him. And that's why in verse 34, it says, And that they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them. Amen. May the Lord give us the grace to know him indeed, that we may come in harmony with his law and get the benefits therein. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, I thank you for bringing this message to us today. We ask, Lord, that in every area where we have been out of harmony with your Lord, that you forgive us. While we are here on earth, we are still in a struggle so that we can come back to what we were, that the image of God may be restored in us. And we know that if you restore your image in us, there's no way we'll be sinning against you. Our life will be in harmony with you. And it's that that we pray for. Strengthen us, Lord, and give us that grace, that grace that brings salvation, that we may live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I commit all of us who are here and those who are listening unto your care, perhaps there's someone who is struggling with a besetment, a particular weakness that we easily fall into. I commit us all unto your care. As we are listening now, we pray, Lord, grant us strength from above and give us grace, power to get the victory over sin. 
that when temptations come, that we shall receive strength from above as we abide in you. Lord, please remind us to always abide in you, that we may receive that strength and be overcomers in this life. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.